this podcast, we're breaking the silence. Welcome to Mental Health. It's time to talk. Here's your host, Alan Kaler. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for taking the time to tune in on today's show. We have a man who has had quite the journey. We have a man who has definitely earned his freedom from addictions, and we have a man who is giving back in a big way. Yes, we have Tommy Lovelord. Tommy, welcome. Hi, Al. Good to see you. Good to see you, too. I'm thinking, Tommy, it was probably seven, maybe eight years since you were a student at SIT, and I had the pleasure of being your instructor, and it was there in a classroom at SIT where I first heard your story. And I also remember a few people calling you Tommy Gun. I was like, Tommy Gun, Tom, Tom, where did a nickname like that even come from? Uh, well, I guess the, the Tommy Gun's nickname came from back in my, my drug use days. I don't really spend too much time back in those days, but it was, uh, it was a turbulent time. I was um, in and out of jail um, and just a lot of fighting and misery, rituals of misery every day. Yeah, actually, I think on your social media today, Tommy, I saw a, a picture and it said something like smoke ribs, not meth. <laughs> <laughs> that was yesterday. Yes. Oh. Yes. Yeah. 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 And, you know, it's one of those things sometimes, even for myself, I forget where I was. I mean, I know where I was. I know where I am and I know where I want to mm-hmm. go. Um, I do love the fact that you don't live in your past, mm-hmm. but I want to dive into it a little bit because I know that you have endured a lot. You've endured a lot of pain, a lot of trauma. When we don't have the tools to manage that pain, then, hey, Sometimes if alcohol is there, drugs are there, we just need an escape. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so for my, my past, it definitely has hindered me, it, like, but it's also prepared me, right? So I, um, I, my story isn't like worse, the worst one you're ever going to hear. There's definitely so many people that I've heard in, the, in, in the line of work being an addictions counselor, um, I hear a lot of really painful stories, right? And, and so my, my story is no, no worse than those. But um, yeah, my, my life was, wasn't so good at the, at the first bit. But before I say any of that, I want to, actually, before we do any of that, I want to acknowledge that we are on Treaty 6 territory and the homeland of the Métis. And I want to give credit to that. And um, the more we can do that, the more we can be proud of our heritage, we can... Uh, we can get rid of all that stigma, but I'll go back to, to the things with my, with my, my parents is I grew up with my dad. And I want to say this is that he did the best that he could with what he had. I was a crazy, like off the wall ADHD, but they didn't know about ADHD back then. They just said that kid wouldn't sit down or wash his hands or actually I have no idea what they said. Cause I wasn't paying any attention. Well, my dad in the 70s, he he took my brother and I, and Jay is like, he's the golden child. The things he does, like he he succeeds at. He's a great guy. Um, yeah, he's, he's amazing. Can't live up to him, right? And I, I'm not trying to, but he is a great guy. He's got a lot of things going on for him. Um, on the other hand, then there was me and I, I wasn't, 
I wasn't paying attention at school. I wasn't doing any of those things because those first few years were so like turbulent and traumatic. Mom leaving, the next person came in. She was very, very abusive. She was abusive mentally, physically. Um, There was some sexual there too, but it wasn't her. It was someone else and I don't want to go there. Um, So there was all this trauma that we didn't talk about. And the moment we started to talk about it, when it came up, there was a counselor and then they tried to bring our family unit back together. And at that point, I, I didn't trust any adults, right? And so um, dad did provide for us. He was, he's been there right from, right from 1976 on, right? So <clears throat> um, he bought a place and my dad, he's, he's a very popular guy. Um, he's been married four times and then there's the other common laws as well. He's very likable and lovable apparently. And so, um, yeah, he did the best he could. And so there was just trauma that I hadn't dealt with. And then later in life when I became too much to handle and he was with new women, it was hard for them to come into this, this turbulent past. And I was, um, a family member had, uh, had a knife to my throat early, my uncle. And, um, and I didn't talk about it. Right. So, after that, I was so used to it that I, I became very suicidal too, right? And nobody nobody took the time to unpack that. And maybe back then they didn't do that. And now we know we know better. We'd see those signs. I don't know if I answered your question, but Oh, I, I don't even know that I posed the question. Uh, okay. once again, we have two people who struggle with focus and ADD, so uh bear with us, everyone. <laughs> but Tommy. I mean, yeah, to your point, a lot of pain and, and it was not talked about. And I, I feel for you back then for what you had to endure. And mm-hmm. did you then internalize that in some way as though perhaps, you know, that, that there was flaw in who you were or that you just were not good enough? I think I always had that. And I still struggle with that, that not being good enough, hmm. right? Like, um. I still struggle with that. I, I got, when, when you were my instructor, I got second in the class, right? And uh, I was off by half a percent and, and I, I couldn't celebrate it, right? I had an 89 point whatever percent like at, at SIT and I couldn't celebrate it because I wanted a 90, right? And so... I, I think I've always had that. And I, and it's so that, but everybody has a shopping list of, of character defects, right? And those, that's one of the things that I, that I, that I still work with, um, you know, trying to always be right. That's, that's wrong. Right. So there's, I have a, I have stuff and black and white thinking too. Like it's either good or bad. Those are, those are things that I, that I've been working on. I've given up that thing of always trying to know what's coming up and, get ahead of the game. I, I've, I've given up those because it was just took up too much mind space. Well, and you alluded to this earlier that when we know better, we will do better. And mm-hmm. when there's trauma around us as a child, we learn certain character traits that we carry on into our adult years. And then comes mm-hmm. a time when we realize these no longer serve us. And what I love about you is that not only are you able to acknowledge it, validate it, but you do something about it. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely do. I, I kind of, um, 
I met a lot of great people. You're you're one of them, mentors of 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 recovery. And another one that I met along the way was is uh, Dr. Wendy Gore Hickman, and and she says to recover out loud. And the more that we can recover out loud, not only do we encourage us to keep going, but we encourage other people to keep going. And um, and the more that we talk about those things, the more somebody else kind of identifies. Hey, I was I was there too, right? And so. That trauma, um, and, and once you deal with it, and you deal with that inner child stuff, then I won't affect the child that came from me, right? Yeah. I'll have a better relationship with my son, who's been the biggest, um, he's been the biggest blessing of my recovery, because I met him when he was 21 years old. And so um, the other biggest blessing, obviously, is my marriage, too. So I'm married now, and I've got two girls within our my my wife has two girls and we share them, right? And uh, so I, I've been able to to be part of this parenthood and, and not bring that trauma because if you don't heal from it, you pass it down to the next generation. A hundred percent. You do the work mm -hmm. and you ensure that history does not repeat itself because you talk openly about it and you do recover mm -hmm. out loud. Now, in terms of trauma, and you already shared, you know, you 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 struggled with alcohol for a while. Crystal meth became rather problematic. Mm -hmm. Then there was a day, which I believe was October 17, 2009, which mm -hmm. was a catalyst, a turning point, if you will, in your life. Yes? Yes, it was. Yeah. So I'll just get, do a bit of the backstory um, was that I was basically from September 11th, uh, 2001, when the World Trade Center bombings happened, my life just went downhill. Um, I was heavily using cocaine and then and then predominantly crystal meth. And then I was using just about everything else that was, that was around. Um, and then crystal meth was just that one thing I could never let go of. Uh, I used it and I, I, I said I would never get to that point and I would keep going past that point. And so my life was continuously in and out of jail um no longer working so selling drugs and then and then very violent too right so when people owed you money you went and got that and so um there's this person that I became that I, I really wasn't right and I, I believe that I was a bad person back then right the, the difference between my 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 guilt and my shame is I do feel guilty for the things that I that I did right um but I know that it wasn't me that I was just my behavior, right? I'm not bad. My behavior was. And when I worked on my behavior, everything changed. And so October 17th, 2009, a guy came into my house. I was waiting for my nephews to come over. My brother was in town. Um, and this guy came over and he was either on drugs or off his drugs. I could tell because his face was all like his face was all messed up. And um I didn't want him in there. He had a knife. Um, I picked up a hammer and quick end of the story. Yada, 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 quick part of the story. So he went to surgery and, and I went to jail. But in that big mess was the message. Mm. It's not time that, that changes things. It's what you do with that time. So in there, I had, I had this um, an amazing experience uh, with... I got to know my God, right? And so um, I was in secure lockup, a dark place. And this was 
maybe a week and a bit later. Uh, <clears throat> and I could feel someone in the jail cell with me, Al. And I look back and I know he's been there since. Mm. Right? And so there's been this, this whole uh, journey has been, my God met me where I was at. And then I, uh, I just started to follow and I make mistakes all the time, like everybody else. Right. And I'm not going to be overly preachy and uh, we'll, we'll just push everybody away. I found that my faith is, is best lived than preached and, and pushed. Right. Um, it's an action word. And if we don't go and, and show that we are, you know, loving our neighbors as ourselves, are we really being people of faith? So, yeah. Um, yeah, October 17, 2009 was a was a big a big day. I was in jail for uh, for um, seven and a half months. I met a lady named Chaplain Barb, and she is that TSN turning point uh-huh. the person that loves me. She and and I I'm I'm loved by my family, and I have I have supported my family now. But she was there from that that one day, that day one. And so she even sent me a message this morning, a text message this morning, sending scriptures and letting me know that she loves me. She's been a constant and, and she stood in the gap. Right. And and so now if I can do the same, if I can just stand in the gap, right. And be consistent. And if I'm messing up, she'll tell me I'm messing up. And, and sometimes we need that. Yeah, Totally. Shanja chimes in, you know, hashtag recover out loud. That's a pretty good hashtag. And this word love. Love you both, says Mr. Brad Sarosky. I don't know about you, Tommy. Love is an interesting word said amongst men. And I'm I'm just curious. That was there a time when you actually can realize that you were able to love self? Mm, yes. Yeah, it took a it took a bit. So um my time in, in treatment with Teen Challenge was a, a year-long faith-based treatment center. And I got to do a deep dive into the hurt, right? And then I got to express love to myself and, and learn to forgive myself and, and learn, like I said, that that was my behavior. That wasn't me. And so um, I definitely do love myself, but I'm also hard on myself. Um, those things don't go away. I got to keep working on those. Um and I definitely express my love to others, other men as well. Like you'll see it on my Facebook a lot. Like, yeah, I love you, man. Th- those type of things, because we, we don't talk about that. Right. How many times did I hear that? I love that. I love you from my dad before. Um, n- not, a, not a bunch, but since we say it all the time, like pretty much every time I talk to him, he'll tell me I love him. I tell him that I love him. And it's wonderful. When I talk to my son. Yeah. Yeah, I love you. I'll talk to you soon. Right? It's just, it's it's so common now. And it wasn't that, that common before. <laughs> well, it's funny because sometimes it starts more like, love ya. Mm-hmm. But if, if you say, I love you, Tommy. Oh, sometimes that feels a little different. But anyway, yeah. Miles, Miles is chiming in, you know, sharing is caring. Sharing uh, is yeah. caring. Usually it is. Usually I can think of a few times when maybe sharing is not always caring. Mm-hmm. Chris Godwin, gents, love the journey. Excellent work, brothers. Appreciate it. You know, it's it's remarkable because you have been able to take pain and turn it into triumph. It's almost as though in a twisted way, maybe you have this gratitude as though you are simply being prepared all those years to now do the work that you do. Does that resonate? 
Absolutely. My mm. palace has prepared me out. I, I worked at the lighthouse for five years and I loved it. Mm. Right. And my professional development is, is, is because of that place. And, and I would never have been able, I would never have been given the chance that I have now and to work at, at Calder in the youth stabilization unit, unless, unless I had that, um, that opportunity at the, at the lighthouse. And so what was your question? Sorry, I oh, only sent a message on my computer. So I'll go back to I'll go back to something else then. All um, I remember is we were talking about love. Yes, yes, and so that might have been a while ago. Yeah, no, my my past has prepared me, and my past has prepared me for now. And oh. and I, I tried to live, I tried to live this out in, in a way that that is like honoring to the, my calling, being not just of my faith, but also as as an addictions counselor. I am, you know. Com- completely sober, clean and sober. I try to, um, I try to model that for the people that I'm talking, that I'm talking to as well. Uh, Cause if, if they see me, even if I'm not drinking. Okay. So if, if I was at an establishment and I wasn't drinking, like I'm still going to lose that bit. Right. They're like, well, what are you doing here? I'm like, it's a non-alcohol beer. And they're like, yeah, right. So I try to live that. Um, I also have this other program that I that I created called Unhooked, where I take people in recovery, I take them out, uh, I take them out fishing, and so we we go fishing. It's kind of a captive audience, unless they're going to jump out of the boat and swim to shore. I've got this amount of time where where we go over the different stages of relapse, and so when we were in your class, right, and we were talking about relapse so often. And I'm reading all this stuff, and I like the clinical stuff, and so I was reading Gorski's stages of relapse. It was amazing, but I couldn't like fully understand it. But once I, once I dumbed that down, it just made sense. And then years later, there was another class that I that I took on 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 uh, on relapse prevention. And so I've I've taken all that stuff and made it into my own program in Tommy English, <clears throat> and uh, we just go over it. So what does that look like? Like um, like. For me, my, my stages of relapse, so although I've never drank or used, I start to get into that, like, my ten, my tension goes way up, and I don't know why. You know, I become a little bitchy. Sorry to say that, right? Um, and, and so, and I can't put my finger on it. And maybe, you know, I got to do work on myself because that's not me, the me that I want to be, right? And so... Um, avoidance and defensiveness somebody can say something that i'm doing and i'll get really defensive instead of taking that as constructive criticism which i need to be able to do to develop myself as a counselor and as a person as a neighbor as a brother but i get defensive right i take it the wrong way and so when i notice that i'm not taking this stuff in i need to do another check i'm not always right i need to be teachable right and so, um, and I, I fail with that one a lot. Um, and sometimes it's just, I go into a depression, a depressive state and stuff. And so I just kind of take that, that look at myself. And I, I feel there are so many people that have been through, through AA and NA that are so developed because they do that personal inventory, right? Like even more developed than these wonderful people that I've met, like in these churches all over that I've that I've been to that never struggled with an addiction, but I met these other guys and they, they just have this, you know, this simplicity about them because they, they take a look at themselves. They're not always performing. They're actually just working for themselves. 
Well, I think that's everything. To just slow down and give yourself permission to go within. Going within can be a horrific experience because usually there's a lot of pain. But to your point, I mean, you give yourself permission to look at that. Otherwise, all that we do is just project. (laughs) And then anger, irritability, defensiveness, all great points. And at least Mm. you have that awareness and you can identify it. Plus, you've also surrounded yourself with people who can recognize that, right? Certainly, certainly. Do you ever find that they can recognize it before you even do? Yes, I certainly do. I, I definitely have some people that that I let them speak into my life. Um, and so, and, and we need that, right? Otherwise, we're just kind of going wherever we want to go and we're going to bulldoze people, right? And so, um, and so, and also just continuing to, to listen to your podcast and stuff because people get on here and they're so honest about themselves on things that I don't want to be honest about. Hmm. I'm like, wow, I should be more honest about those things, right? And so, it, like, it, it's great. Anytime I can work on self, then then I, I can stop self-sabotaging right? Destroy, rebuild, destroy, rebuild, destroy, rebuild. And so um, I try to keep moving forward. And, 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 but I try not to get too busy either, though, because the, the one thing that I noticed, and I'm going to, I'm going to steal this, this quote that I heard from, uh, from Jesse, Jesse Thistle is that your demons can fly, you can't out overachieve them, right? You can keep working at something, keep working at something, keep working at something. And the moment you get this time to breathe, boom, there's your demon again. Because you didn't pay any attention to it. You were just so busy building yourself. A hundred percent. So we got to, we got to give ourselves time, give ourselves time. And, and unfortunately I don't give myself enough time. I have another program I'm kind of working on right now. I won't say the uh, company that I'm, that I'm doing this report for, because I haven't asked them yet. Um, uh, my passions are recovery, homelessness, and recidivism. And there was a uh, young lady that died three days after getting out of the correctional, Kimberly Squirrel. And, um, you know, give me, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, right? And and the courage to change the things that I can and the wisdom to know the difference. And, and so um, I think we can do better. I think we can do better. I think that we can do as a community. I know I can do better. At least I can try something. And so I'm, I'm creating a program that it might fly. I'm doing a proposal and just some, some reintegration work. Cause there are people that do reintegration out there. Um, but those are people that are, that are sentenced, right? The people that are sentenced get into this re- reintegration program. And then um, the people that aren't sentenced don't though. Right. So the, the, the data that I've been collecting and, and the gap that I found is there's a bunch of people getting on a remand that haven't been able to work on self. And that's where all of this change came from was when I took a look at myself. Awesome. Good for you. Yeah, you're you're so right. I mean, not only can the demons fly, but some people will say that they drink to be able to try to drown out the demons. But yes, that eventually they can learn how to swim. That's right. The only way to go through. To, to go through something is through the middle because you repeatedly go around, it comes back. And I mean, to your point, recovery is such a process. We never uh, arrive, but we definitely learn how to surround ourselves with people who lift us up, not bring us down. I mean, when you think, Tommy, about even the circle of friends, if somebody ever were to meet 
the people who are closest to you, who are near and dear, they should have a good sense of who you are technically, right? Yeah. And when you think about where you were and where you are, mm -hmm. who you surround yourself with um, is remarkable. Mm -hmm. It certainly is. No, I. Uh, that that's in one of the stages of relapse that I didn't mention. Right? Is is to um, unhealthy people, unhealthy places, and unhealthy things. Right? If I am, if I am around those unhealthy people too much, then I start to sound like them, and I start to be like them as well. Right? And so, um, I did say that when when I got out of the correctional that I was never going back. But I want to go back. But I want to go back as the addictions counselor now, right? And so it's different if you're doing it as a helper. But if I'm hanging out with them, am I leading them to a healthier place, or are they pulling me from a healthier place? It, there's, there's a, you know, I have to watch my get my fuel gauge there, right? Do I is it is it too much, and I have to back away, right? And so, and there's times where it's too much for them to keep up as well because they want to do so much because they. They know me and and um and then I don't hear from them for a while because they, they said that well I didn't want to let you down and they, they don't realize they're not gonna let me down, right? That I'm just gonna be there, I'm gonna meet them where they're at. Because that one person in jail, she met me right where I was at, and she's still with me every day. Cool. It's awesome. Very loyal. It it is it is hard. Balance is almost a buzzword, oh, but wow. I almost think about it as though you're given, I don't know, a hundred, a hundred loonies every morning. And mm -hmm. those loonies represent the time and energy that you're going to spend. And sometimes we just blow that all at work and then we come home and we have nothing left. And I love that you at least once again, have that awareness about how much you're giving. And the key thing too, is I know that you now have arrived at a place where you have boundaries, where you can communicate what you need. And if the mm -hmm. people around you don't understand it, you know that they don't need to understand it because what trumps everything is Tommy knows what Tommy needs. Yes. Balance is such a hard thing, Al. I'm still learning it, and, and I haven't learned it. I'll be honest. It's like it's go, go, go at this, and then it's go, go, go at that. and and But but it, it needs to be go, go, go with family at times too, right? And, and so um, somewhere in there, and when I figure it out, I'll let you know. Uh, I don't, I don't, I haven't, I haven't got that one yet. And I need to work more on that, right? I need to spend some time of not doing anything. Yeah, you and me both. I mean, I suck at slowing down. I'm up in the clouds most of the time. I'm go, go, go too. I think that I, I mean, I have the awareness piece that I am addicted to doing. Mm -hmm. I think all of us who struggle with addiction, there was a time when we had to live outside of ourselves because we did not know how to be with self. And and I find myself going in those old patterns. Mm -hmm. But thank the good Lord that I have, you know, Tanya, a partner, uh, yeah. a wife who is able to help me. I have kids who are able to get me outside and teach yeah. me and remind me to just play. Yes. I have the support at home. I have a, a beautiful wife and she does, she does support me. And she, uh, she lets me know that I got to do stuff around here. Right. And turn off everything else. Right. Cause I'm needed around here and, and it's good. Right. And so we definitely need that. There was one thing I, sorry, my ADHD kicked in and I do, I do want to say this thing. I mentioned that about my, my uncle. I don't want everyone to think that he was just some, some terrible uh, thing. Uh, my uncle, he, he struggled with addiction and, and he, I don't know if he is right now or not. Um, 
he struggled with addiction and that was a moment that 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 he had and so years later he another time he tried to to bring me in because he was going to help me because I was I was stuck in Kilburn Hall and then and I was living with my uncle again and that wasn't good though because he was um selling drugs and running women out of the house and I learned a lot of bad things or whatever and but he meant well you know and I, and I know that he loves me even to this day might be angry that I mentioned them but um but I, I've I went and saw him at the hospital I thought he was you know in a coma um, he heard me that it was a medically induced coma. Uh, so I went there and I just shared everything and he kind of just, I looked up and there he was, he was looking at me and I told him that I love him and I, I forgive him and he didn't forgive himself. He said or whatever. And he told me he loved me too. Beautiful. Right. And he, even in that craziness, he, he, he does love me and he did love me and, um, he didn't mean for those things to happen. I think, Tommy, sometimes we collectively as a society are very quick to judge and we are too short to compassion. And I think that often in the context of addiction, and you and I work in this capacity, the soul simply seems to go into hibernation. Mm -hmm. But there's something that is always pure and full of love, but this disease just kind of, you know, takes over. I love the fact, though, that We've arrived at a place where we can always see and love what's within. When mm -hmm. you meet the same people who you used to walk alongside in the street and now the tables are turned, you speak yeah. that language. And I think that because all that we are is energy, you exude and emit a certain energy and dare I say love that they mm -hmm. can feel. And when you meet with them, you speak to them as though they are a soul, as though they are someone and not just an addict. No, they are people. They they are people. They are people that that I that I shared the same streets with. I shared the same cell with, right? And so there were many times working at the lighthouse where there were people that came in and they would stop and I'd say, I'd be like, no, come on in. It's it's okay. Hmm. Right? I'm clean and sober now. I I'd love to talk. And I would say sorry for the things that I had done. And they would say sorry for maybe some things that they had done, right? And I heard it so many times that, well, if you did it, I can do it too. And I said, yes, right? All it's just, it's it's a bunch of choices and it's a bunch of hard bunch of hard work. I can tell you how I did it, but that might not work for you. We got to find what works for you, you know, if you want to, right? And so um yeah, we are we are all people and the the language that we use does a lot, you know. They are, you know, they they are my friends. Right? We we shared a lot and those that connection doesn't go away just because I sobered up. That we are still connected. All those memories, all those good times, they're still there, right? And I th there could be more good times as well. Yeah. Well said. I, I want to just ask a question that was posed in the comments, Tommy, and it's because we've talked about this a little bit with going inward. And the question that Ashley poses is, how is it that we look inward when we're trying to avoid, avoid doing so? I want to do some shadow work, but I'm afraid of where it may lead. So for you, Tommy, how did you start that process? Because it is painful and it is hard. So, um, Honestly, uh, 
my faith has a big thing to do with it, right? And starting each day, um, you know, keeping that fire going. That fire is going to go out if I don't put more of my faith in there each day, giving time to my faith, first of all. And then then second of all, I was in a program where there was there was a like a great counselor, uh, Dick True is his name, and he was wonderful, right? And he would challenge me and he would... Um, yeah, he he challenged me a bunch. He di- he didn't give me the answers I wanted to hear. Right, mm. it was wonderful. Um, but we need to take a we need to take that deep dive. We need to take that deep dive with someone that's safe for us to do so, and bring those things out, and know that because we brought those out and they've been covered so for so long that we can we can cover that up if we're not fully ready to deal with it completely in its entirety, right? And deal with just parts of it, right? So I learned to unpack those things. And there were different times where I thought that something was was um, something that I had dealt with had come back up again. And then I realized that I needed to deal with it again. And so um, I suggest to this person is to is to find a counselor. Every good counselor has a counselor, right? Um, not just a marriage counselor, which is also great. Get a marriage counselor; it's wonderful. Same language, right? Same language. Yeah, you know, it's it's uh, it's interesting for people who've gone through trauma because often for people who've gone through trauma, there's those three rules. And we've talked about this a few times, you know, the don't talk, don't trust, don't feel. So it comes a time in your life where you realize, well, okay, these rules suck. They don't yeah. serve me any longer. No. But to rewrite the rules is easier said than done. However, it's that proverbial fork in the road where if you want something different, you're going to have to do something different. And usually that first step requires vulnerability, taking a risk, but then you have a shot at reward. Stop trying to be so solid, right? Being solid like that, like just, just bottling it all up and handling it right on the streets before we're just like, you just handle it, right? Your, your buddy got shot. You handled it. Right. right, you didn't cry about it, right? You handled it, you know. And so, the difference in recovery is is that you you're given that feeling for a reason. If you need to cry, you cry, right? You don't just handle it; you move through it. You 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 look at it, and and it's not just when we're comfortable with all of our emotions, we don't just go to anger as our default, right? And then we can we can unpack anything. Totally, yeah. Neil's chiming in. Thank you for your strength and vulnerability. I mean, essentially, vulnerability is strength. Actually, hey, Neil, Neil, you're on the show a week from today. So there's a little plug. Tommy, I want to close talking a little bit more about the program that you've created, Unhooked, because Tani and I love it. It resonates with us. Um, We would like to continue to help you out moving forward. Uh, if if anybody was interested in, I mean, connection, everything in life is about connection. And I love that people can come with you, not only connect with you, but connect with Mother Earth, be out in nature, mm-hmm. in solitude. And so if somebody wants to have that experience with you, what would that look like or how may they uh, connect with you? I'm going to drop my uh, my pamphlet off on your on your site. I'm going to email it to you. You can post it. My phone number is is up there, right? Uh, you know, go easy. Don't call me. Way oh, I'm at three thirty three in the morning. Don't, don't call me way too late. I would love to be able to um, to go camping, right? 
And if people wanted to come around the fire after and, and, and we can talk like as a group of people that that's good too. Um, and then, but just to be able to, to meet with people and, and meet them in an environment that's not inside of a, an office. Yeah. Right. We, then, then that would be great. So I, I like to, to kind of do things in a group. So I, I, I've been blessed and I have this camper now and I'm getting my boat fixed. My buddy Scott, he's going to do some welding and put in this, uh, this new axle for me and stuff too. And, um, yeah, get, get a hold of me. And if it, if it works out on one of the weekends that I'm going to be doing this or during the week too, um, then, then I can meet with people. So I work four on four off. So it doesn't always work on weekends. Um, but yeah, if I have time and if I can, I, I will, I'll make the effort of, of, um, of meeting with people. There's also now this whole zoom thing as well. Right. And you can meet with people like right in their, right in their living room. You can, you got to put up with their dog. Hey, Chewy. Hello, Chewy. There's my dog. Right. But so he'll be coming camping too. Well, and just to be clear, Tommy, this, there's no cost for people who are in um, recovery, right? Like that, that's key. That's right. I'm doing what I can, where I can. Um, and because of that, people just have to realize that it's not, it's not an individualized service. Just, I, I really suggest that people go, um, you know, call 306-655-7777 and get an intake counselor, Dwayne Porter. <laughs> He's amazing. Uh, and then, so he'll assess and stuff and, 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 you know, get yourself an addictions counselor as well. I'm not taking over this, the, uh, the role of a primary addictions counselor by any means. I'm just kind of sharing where my, how my recovery has gone, um, giving a few more skills on that relapse prevention and creating more of a, a community of recovery. Right. And unhooked addictions, wellness and coaching can be found on Facebook as well. Right. So that is a, another yeah. place where people can go. Tommy, Tommy, we yeah. flew through a lot in a short amount of time. I, appreciate you thank you i appreciate you thank you i was so nervous right <laughs> and i had i had these uh these notes that i was going to maybe talk about and then at the start when i picked things up my notes fell on the ground and then i didn't even have them anymore so i had to <laughs> wing it with my adhd hey that's what we all love we love the authentic tommy thank you for your yeah. insights your wisdom thank you for the work that you do thank you have a blessed night. Thanks, everybody. Okay, thank you so much, everyone, for taking the time to tune in. Take good care, be well, and yes, keep talking.